0: Guys, welcome back to Cake for Breakfast. I hope everyone had the best Christmas ever. Like, just we're in that week now between Christmas and New Year's Day, where it's like, you know, this is the time to totally comp- and completely sign off. Like, you can you don't have to respond to texts. You can like have a nap at 2 p.m eat whatever you want like be in all the feels right now don't have any like oh I need to start my work just the only thing I did which I thought was uh, is going to be helpful for me I like went out and did the big grocery shop so I'm ready like with the healthy groceries and that to like you know bang start on January 1st but I'm not like I'm still being easy on myself and everyone else should be doing the same and getting ready like I did a house I'm doing a house clean right now like I'm doing all the things to get ready but I'm not like oh my god I need to like go book the biggest sponsor ever like I'm not in like that hardcore business type mode but anyways um, we had the best Christmas ever at our house it was so much fun my parents really outdo themselves they like decorate the house our house always has like a really great energy to it too like it's really warm there's a fire at the front good music playing like always like nice food around not just like like stuff my my mom and sister like actually make like really nice stuff like the best groceries um good a good TV like good TV shows playing like a really nice environment and We had a great Christmas. I got to see, I think, most of my family, which was nice. Um, Some family I hadn't seen in a while, so it was like, it was a good, uh, good to check in with everyone. I saw a couple friends, but my absolute favorite addition to Christmas this year was getting to spend it with my soon-to-be sister-in-law. And I like have really, really lucked out in this department with having an amazing soon-to-be brother-in-law and now the sister-in-law. So her breakdown she is so lovely and guys this is literally one of the I think one of the prettiest girls I've ever seen she's like a mix between Alex Cooper from Call Her Daddy and like a Blake Lively but like prettier than them both just maybe Margot Robbie too like just the prettiest nicest girl and super easy going like her and I watched Emily in Paris season two Um, thoughts on that are it's just it's just fun it's a fun watch season one was better I felt like they were trying to do too much in season two and the outfits were a little underwhelming. I like the super over-the-top, over-the-top outfits and you guys, Emily's a little bit of a psychopath. They sort of like, I read this article from like, I don't know, a fancy newspaper like New York Times or something like that. And they were like, is Emily in Paris like simply the greatest villain? And (laughs) it actually might be true if you like really watch it for that. Anyway, so our Christmases are big and fun and it's really nice to be around people. We did turkey dinner we do like the ham the roast the cooking competition at our house is so high like it's unbelievable experience for the consumer so i think that's why people like coming over so much like there's not a lot of women i know anymore that like really put it all into their food and and how they serve people and my mom and my sister unbelievable and my sister-in-law too like she was such a gem like helping each of them out my favorite present this year was probably from my sister and brother-in-law they got me they got me that there's, a, if you've ever been to the Gramercy Park Hotel in New York City, there's this really famous scent that is, oh, every time you come in, it's like the only thing you can smell. It's really like a big onslaught of the smell and it's like, it's like a fresh forest. I, I don't know how to describe it. It's just amazing though. Ian Schreger, that like fancy hotel guy, he did like, it's literally his job was like building an energy in a luxury hotel. Like, talk about an amazing job. I actually, my parents would kill it at something like that. Anyway, so they bought me uh the candle of like, like that this specific it's like a bougie scent from like a bougie candle line for my place in Vancouver to remind me of my Gramercy Park apartment so I thought that was really sweet but I haven't got my present from my boyfriend yet and he is usually a really good gift giver so I'm sure his will take the place so some other key takeaways from Christmas I noticed my parents have become um really spiritual like in a nice way we do grace before dinner. My mom is like super involved. She's like the president of the church. She basically runs, I think the churches should start podcasting. Cause like, as you know, with pot they do it on YouTube right now and it gets an audience, but with podcasting, you can sort of like, it's easier to manage on the phone, I think anyways. So yeah, they're like spiritual in a, in a really nice way. Does anyone else have the same thought about church? Like we did mass, we did the whole shebang, but it's gotta modernize. I don't know what it is about it that has to modernize but the audience is older you don't see I don't hear about really any I don't think I know anyone who goes to church definitely is value to it like I like the idea of um, believing in something um, a higher power like I like all those things it's just it is hard to get younger people to so we gotta like we gotta find a way to to transfer it over if not even just for like the facility alone like it's a really nice space and environment to be in. We are Anglicans, we're part of like the Anglican Church. It's like AKA Episcopalian in the US. Think like Charlotte York or Kate Middleton, those are sort of the reps. Oh, also, the church is like run at like the highest level by a woman. I was like, that's pretty cool. So yeah, we just gotta find a way to to make it work, I think. Okay, now I told you last week we have Miss Nichelle Tramble Spellman joining the show. Now, Nichelle is the showrunner of the popular Apple series Truth Be Told. Which just got greenlit for another new season. Super, super exciting! It stars Octavia Spencer and Kate Hudson. Nishal's also written on shows like *The Good Wife*, *Hello*, *The Show That Like Shaped Us All*, *Justified*, and *Woman's Murder Club*. She is a very, very accomplished woman in Hollywood, and I am really, really grateful for her time and for her and having her on the show today. Now, I definitely get a, a little nervous around Nishal. Like, I, I, I respect her. I just like appreciate her so much as an artist. So it's kind kind of like being around, like I said, like a higher power kind of person. So forgive me if I'm like a little bit all over the place in the interview. I was definitely a little nervous, but I think you guys are really going to enjoy her show. All right. So next week, I just booked Warren Buffett's granddaughter. She's coming on. Her team actually reached out to the show. Um, they, they they were also involved with like the NFT. Her The granddaughter, Nicole Buffett, is like a big, big presence in the NFT world. So excited about having her on and learning more about all that. Plus she's a Buffet. That's like one of the most legendary humans of our time. So pretty cool stuff. All right, now let's do a little headline coverage before we get into the interview today. Okay, mark a minute. How many times have I said this? How many times have I screamed till I'm blue in the face about it? Inflation, it's keeping on coming. It's not slowing down at all. And it's more real than ever. Groceries are expected to spike in January because of it. So I know it's hard to buy like fresh produce, but keep staying in front of it. Like buy up twice, but stay in front of it because if you're like me and you like to save money, I hate spending on like just dumb things like inflation. Now we've covered this before, but as a reminder, gold also traditionally spikes when the economy is not doing well. So bad economy equals high gold prices. And what are gold prices at right now? The highest on like some month measure in some long period of time. The fact is all the big people are writing about it. So it's coming. That means the research analysts on Wall Street are already talking about it. Then it like sort of trickles through to the mainstream media and you guys are hearing it here. So just be in front of that. The inflation is not fun to manage. Oh, also, Bitcoin has come up a bit. It's like in the 50s trading in the 50K range this week. So not as high as it was, but it has come up. I thought I thought it was going to go like 40s to like I was hoping to buy at my 38 mark. But yeah, it's sort of come up a bit. And my prediction as a non registered broker, you cannot trade on this advice. Last year, it really shot up after January. So I would think I think right now it will go up. But that is just me. And you cannot trade on that advice. And also Apple closed all of its in-store shopping in New York City as the coronavirus soars. That was a big thing at the beginning of the pandemic. All the Apple stores closed and people were like, whoa, like it was this crazy thing. So not loving that. All right guys, have a great New Year's Eve tomorrow night. Be safe, have fun do it upright, get fancy, do whatever you need to do to feel good, and then let's go into the new year super, super energized, relaxed, and powerful. Have a great day, and now let's welcome Miss Michelle Tramble to Cake for Breakfast. All right, well, everybody, we are really excited to have Nichelle Tramble on the show today. Nichelle needs no introduction, even though I've been, I have been—I was talking about uh, Nichelle when I went to Malibu and had lunch with her and her husband, but I'm so excited to have her on the show. Not only has she worked as a writer and producer on The Good Wife, Justified, Mercy, Harper Island, and Woman's Murder Club, she's also the showrunner, a.k.a. the boss, on Apple TV's mega-hit Truth Be Told, starring Octavia Spencer and Kate Hudson, Plus, to top it all off, she's half of my favorite Hollywood power couple.
1: Michelle, <laughs>
0: welcome to Cake for Breakfast. Hello. Thank you for having me here. Thank so you nice. so much for coming on. I'm always starstruck when I see you because I'm just, I'm always just so impressed by you. So congrats on season three of Truth Be Told being renewed. What was the process like waiting to hear about the show being renewed? Was it kind of a guarantee? Uh, were you waiting to hear what was going to happen? What What did that look like?
1: It was actually a combination of both because when I went in to pitch the season arc for uh, season two, I actually let them know that I had an idea for season three and that I was going to use season two to feather that story throughout so we could just pick up that thread for season three. Uh, And they were very excited and supportive about the story for season three. So I had a feeling that you know, if everything went well with the airing of season two, that we would come back for a third season.
0: Talk about a great businesswoman. I love like putting that in there to keep it rolling. Good for you. (laughs) Um, So it wasn't like suspenseful, like you hear about these shows, like we're all waiting to hear, like you sort of were already in the conversations to keep the development going.
1: Yeah, on on some level, you know, everything is going to be about performance and you know how the previous season does. Mm-hmm. But but Apple, the producers, everyone was really enthusiastic about the show, about the show continuing, and about the story that we're going to tell for season three.
0: Excellent. Well, let's. Re- I just had to get that off the top because this news just dropped last week, right? Or this yeah. week? Yeah. Yes. Brand week. new, guys. So we we have the exclusive here. <laughs> All right, <laughs> let's rewind for a minute and start from the beginning. Nichelle, where did you grow up? And I want to sort of move towards what your first Hollywood job was. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself? I
1: grew up in the San Francisco Bay Area in a small town in the East Bay. And, um, you know, I've always been a writer, even if it was just the little stories that I took to show and tell instead of toys. It's just the thing that I've always wanted to do. And I was very single minded about it, so much so that when I you know, turned 18 and was leaving for school, I pretty much knew what I wanted to do. And so mm-hmm. I was probably the most lackluster um, student in existence, but I was always writing. And so I did short stories, a lot of freelance work, um, worked for different, uh, you know, periodicals, magazines, things like that in the Bay Area. Some freelance work with a lot of the New York music magazines and stuff
0: like that. Okay, And so the idea wasn't, you didn't wake up, you weren't like, I want to be a Hollywood writer. It's just you wanted to write novels. Was that the first thought? like Yeah. What was sort of the the, thought in your-
1: initially, yeah, it was mostly about short story writing with, you know, uh, ramping up to be, to write a novel. And I actually wrote a novel in high school that I kept in this Snoopy three-wing binder and I would... Write a chapter on the weekend, take it to school on Monday with the sign-up sheet in first, and, and on the first page, kind of like a, you know, like this soap opera where it was like a weekly installment. And so one, you know, a student would read it, sign their name, pass it to the other one, and then it would come back to me on Friday so I could do another chapter. So I wrote this really soapy teen novel that way when I was, I believe I was a junior in you high school. You were like when writing the that. OC. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much.
0: Did somebody, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that is pretty amazing. Like there's, you see kids that are sports stars and you get to see them in their element. Did anyone catch on to what you were doing? Like doing all this writing and having this creative mind? No, and that's what we,
1: um, you know, I've talked about. I wasn't an impressive student. I didn't stick out that way. I was super social and loved. <laughs> you being weren't an in impressive student, and the, now you're a yes. showrunner at Apple. Yeah. Like, how funny is
0: that? <laughs> I, was, I was. It's like not. you have I like don't. the most sought after <laughs> job in Hollywood right now, and you weren't an impressive student. That is hilarious. <laughs> I was not.
1: I think that the. Um, you know, this, this, here's the difference though. All the students knew that I wanted to be a writer and they were encouraging and my friends were encouraging. The teachers didn't know, but my um, fellow classmates knew.
0: They kind of saw what you were doing. They knew yeah. you were special, mm-hmm. that, that sort of thing. Okay. So it brings us to 18. You went to school in the Bay area.
1: No, I left and I went to Long Beach state for a year and okay. then, um, was politely asked to leave. Because why? Lackluster student. That is... That
0: is. Oh, my was, gosh. You need to be a poster child for anyone <laughs> that, like, <laughs> appears to be that way. Like, again, this this is a bit insidery, but Nichelle has honestly, like, the hardest job you can get right now in Hollywood. A showrunner at Apple. It doesn't get any more big time than that. Um, so they asked you to leave, and then what did you do? I was...
1: You know, the whole time that I was there, not being a great student, I was still writing. Mm-hmm. So I was still doing the short stories. I was still trying to freelance. So when I left Long Beach and went back to the Bay Area, that's what I did. And um, I just started. Pissed?
0: Were they like, uh, why did you get kicked out of school? No. <laughs> tot- totally pissed. Yeah. Um,
1: oh, yeah. So it was just, yes, very, very. And they should have been. It yeah. was ridiculous. Um, but I just kind of, you know, my parents were really straightforward, and it was just like, you're, you're on your own, kid. This is What are you going to do? So I started temping, you know, taking odd jobs, things like that, and I continued my writing. The main thing that I did while I was temping is I always tried to look for um, receptionist jobs in San Francisco, mm-hmm. and I'd sit at the receptionist desk all day signing people in and out, but I'd work on a book or short stories the entire time I was there. So that was my ideal job, and it was a way to, you know, make money. And support myself, but totally. also have, I was, you know, in a seat for eight hours. So I would write.
0: Were you depressed? Were you like, holy crap, nope. what's happening? You just totally knew you were laser focused on what you knew you wanted to yeah. do.
1: Not one. I was not depressed one bit. Nope.
0: Jeez. That would have been a cool time to be a receptionist in San Francisco. Cause that's the moment of like the, the Zuckerbergs, the Google guys. That was probably the moment that stuff was all coming up too. Right. I'm older than them. Oh, stop. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so I I would find myself being like, oh my gosh, but but you're laser focused, you know you want to be a writer, and then you sort of get your first book, and then what happens after that?
1: Well, um, I think I freelanced for quite a long time, finished the first novel while I was working at a publishing house in um, Berkeley. Ten so Speed Press. You were
0: working at a publisher and being mm-hmm. published at the same time.
1: Yeah, I was working in the publicity um, department at Ten Speed Press. Great job. Really, really nice people. And it was a block from my house. Mm-hmm. I I worked there. I'd start written the bulk of the novel while I was at an um, an adventure travel travel company called Backroads, mm-hmm. and so I was like, you know, booking guests and mostly writing. After the guests finished the trip, they would, um what do you call it? They fill out a questionnaire about their trip and all of that. And I would write the response letters to them. Mm-hmm. So there was some, I figured out some way to always be, writing, be and writing, make a living that way. So I did that for a couple of years while I was working on the book. And I just finished the book and started at 10 speed press and sold it to random house while I was there. And then, um, I stayed for the end of and stayed until the end of the year. And when I left on my book tour, I moved to New York.
0: And how old are you at this point?
1: Oh my goodness. Um, early thirties.
0: Okay. So that's a lot. Like you're feeling the impacts. You're like, okay, everyone is, you know, we talk about that a lot on the show. Everyone's getting married, starting the whole thing. And you're still in your dream. Like you're still, you're still there fighting for it. So after that, is that when things start to turn for you?
1: Nope. Um, nope. <laughs> I <laughs> I did the first novel, you know, and you know that unless a book really breaks out, becomes an air Force novel or a bestseller, you're not making a living as a midlist author. Okay. So I was still working um, and still doing part-time jobs, because I mostly, I needed the time to write. And I was working on uh, the second book, The Last King, during that time period. And I finished The Last King, that was published, you know, and then it was like, you know, that moment where you had to sit down and think, I cannot make a living doing this, what's the next move? And I applied for the CBS Writer, New Writers Program, Mm -hmm. got into that in 2007, started the program in 2008. And then was staffed, no, 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 started the program in 2000, yeah, 2007. What I like about the
0: sounds of this, it sounds like a new writer's program in your early 30s. So was it new writers like coming out of college and then you were older than the other kids in the program or was it a a new writer of any age?
1: Any age. And the the whole point of it is to at the time was to just try and tap into unheard voices, Mm -hmm. people who hadn't come in through the traditional routes. And um, at the end of that program, I was staffed on Women's Murder Club, which was my first TV job.
0: That must have been huge for you, like yeah. holy cow. Yeah. How did you deal with moving? Because you, in your head you were dead set on being a novelist. You realize novelist is not the do all end all to your success. So then moving into TV was that was that an ego thing? Did it or were you just like whatever? Like how did you sort of feel about that? Was it oh, no, TV was writing? Ex-
1: I was excited about. Oh, you that. were okay. Oh no, no, no! I was yeah. tremendously excited about that. A friend of mine who is a um, also a TV writer. When I was trying to figure out what it is I, what it is I wanted to do next, he he said to me, "I don't know anybody who watches more TV than you. Why haven't you ever thought of that?" And I was just like, "I really had never thought of it. I thought of features." But I hadn't thought of television. He was like, "You watch eight soap operas. You watch everything on at night. Like, what?" When, are you when we went to
0: lunch, that's a, I'm an also an absolute TV addict. And you told yep. me you've watched every episode to date. You usually watch them on Thursdays too, Grey's Anatomy, right?
1: Yeah, I yeah. still watch Grace. Yeah. You still watch From Grace. So you're... I'm a loyal a loyal TV show follower. Yeah, if I here. love it at the beginning, I stay through the end even if it's limping to the finish line. Yeah,
0: you got to you got to see it through. So so this is kind of a dream job then. You get offered this job on a great TV show and you're like, "Holy crap, this is pretty yeah. awesome." And then, then then is it like you're kind of going a bit more to the you're going to, I don't want to say corporate cuz I know you're creative, but it's sort of like more of a sta- stable. You feel more That was one of my questions I actually have for you at what age did you feel like you finally had security and stabilization in your life was it was it getting get, entering into that CBS writers program
1: no, not really, um, because I didn't know how it would stick. I started working when I moved to Los Angeles. I worked at William Morris. I was an assistant there. Okay. So I I saw firsthand that someone is like you know has this big career, and then the two years they're not staffed and they're calling and it's like I need a job. I don't have money. So there was nothing that was baseline stable about that to me. It just was like enough hard work and building blocks so that you could try for stability, but my first job was interrupted by the strike. So that was the first indication of, you know, things not going a certain way just because you got hired.
0: And just, again, just to break it down for the listeners, so when you say, I think that's a point you make is really interesting. So you're an assistant at WME, which is the most prestigious agency, CAA and WME, of course. Um, And then you're seeing writers that work on, say, Friends, or uh, just an example, whatever, ER. They have stabilization in their life. They have consistent money for two years, and the show goes off, and then they're, like, panicking. That's sort of the point you were making. So you, you saw it as, like, wow, maybe this isn't as stable as it, you know, the glamour behind it, the stability is not there. So then you leave and you uh, you leave to go work at CBS or do you work at CBS prior to WME?
1: No, I was at William Morris yeah. and then I left to go write the books. But oh, I had it. that, yeah, I had that, you know, information about how everything could change on a dime. Yeah, And it often has nothing to do with you. The show's not picked up. You know, they um, trim the staff because... The stars are now making so much money, they have to figure out how to make the budget make sense. Okay, so we don't need as many writers. The writers go, there's all these different reasons. So it can be stable, of course it can be, but I was also very well aware that it couldn't. So, you know, that never left my mind. And then think about, you know, seeing someone on TV for years and they're the star of a big show, and then in five years they're a walk-on guest star or something. You're just always aware, at least I was,
0: Okay, so next question here. When did you start the production company 51? And also, congrats, like you get the HBO deal out of it. That was some badass news when I read that. When did you and Malcolm put that together?
1: Well, we worked on a project together for the first time. You know, Malcolm had been in the feature world, I had been a novelist, I moved to TV, and he didn't start working in television until season one of Empire, and he was on that show for three years, and I was on Good Wife at the time. and him being in television, um, allowed us to have a common creative language because we were speaking in two different arenas, either novelist to feature writer or TV writer to feature writer. And then we had this common ground, so we understood each other, understood the process. So we did a project together at Amazon that didn't go, but it was so fulfilling creatively that um, we thought, wow, it would be kind of nice to work together. And then I did Truth Be Told. He came on as a consultant to help me get it off the ground, season one. And then during that process, it's like, you know, we've been doing this together in an informal way for so many years. Why don't we form a company together? And that's how the 51 was born.
0: The 51. Before we get to that, I did jump ahead there. The Good Wife. I mean, like, was that a dream come true? That is everybody's Uh, favorite show. Like your credits just like are just amazing. So you get how does that uh, hiring process go? Do you are you in the mix for that writing job? Do you propose an idea to them?
1: Oh, no. So I was on um, Justified. Yes. I did season three of Justified. At the end of that season, they trimmed the writing staff. And so me and two other writers were let go. So that happened on a Friday. And, you know, I called my agents to say I'm not being asked back for season four of Justified. So now I could go out and, you know, take meetings and see if I could get staffed. And I had a great week of meetings immediately. So that Friday. This was one of the things that really um, helped with that sense of stability. Mm-hmm. That Friday, we had three offers, and Good Wife was one of them. And I was all excited about all three, quite frankly. But Good Wife was just, as you know, so special. Oh, I and, loved it. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I didn't have to um, cram for it because I'd watched every episode. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes you you get a meeting, and it's a fifth year show, twenty two episodes, and you have to like. Try and watch all of them before you take the meeting, or at least I would. Some people have come into meetings with me and they haven't bothered to watch things, and I do not understand that, and I don't advise that.
0: Um, but um, yeah. I would never do a yeah. podcast with somebody without watching. <laughs> like I am here because Truth be Told is like the show, you know. Um, okay, so the Good Wife. Sorry, you get you get laid off on a Friday, and that same Friday or the Friday later, you have three offers in your hand. A week later. Gods, so you were like a hot hand in this moment. This was like... Yeah,
1: and it was like the my agents and managers just went really fast. And they're like, okay, I told them on a Friday. They start going through things and then studying um, meetings. So I went out on meetings Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, and mm-hmm. again Friday. And a few more the following week just to see, you yeah. know, there were a couple other shows. But can once you, can, Good can Wife came in... Can you tell any of the
0: in, shows or, or, or you wouldn't want to say... I don't want to say. Okay, fair enough. Okay, but so you get both, the Good Wife because i can't imagine. Yeah. Sorry, what was that? They were both
1: great shows, and it was actually um, until Good Wife came in. The other two I was really excited about, but it was a hard decision between them. And then Good Wife happened, and I was like, "Oh, that's the show to take." And you know who gave me the best advice about um, Good Wife and was Craig Mazin.
0: Okay,
1: who does um, you know Chernobyl, and then he has his great podcast. Um, with John August. And I called Craig, who was a friend of Malcolm's and talked about all the offers and what it meant. And yeah, he was great. Once, it, once every couple of years, I send him a random text and say, Hey, remember when you changed my life? Oh. Because good life was the credit that changed my life. And that's, I am forever, forever grateful to the Kings. And um, they've become really good friends since then. They were my bosses for four years. And since the show has ended, They've become really good friends. We keep in touch and we're having a reunion of all the writers. It was my favorite room. Oh, favorite room amazing. I worked in. Yeah. Just it was a real, awesome. You know what
0: the thing with the good, the good wife, excuse me, it is so smart so mm-hmm. everybody in there, like I'm sure comedy rooms and that are smart too, but that show was so smart. Like you had was, to like, yeah. you had to just get it. You had to understand all the terms. When you watch it, you feel like you're learning something. Like you guys must have had pros in there all the time talking or consulting producers mm-hmm. as you would call it, I guess, just talking through it. And can you give us any dish on working with Juliana? Is she just, I listened to her podcast on Dax Shepard. She sounds so smart, such an intellect. Was that, is she poised? Is she serious? Is she, what would sort of her demeanor be around around the writers?
1: Well, you know, they shot in New York and the writer's room was in LA, so we didn't go to set. So we okay. would see Ju- uh, Juliana or any other, any other members of the cast when they came to town for things. But, um, you know, I've heard the Kings refer to her as a perfect number one on the call sheet. And I did not understand that until I worked with Octavia, who is a perfect number one on the call sheet. And um, Juliana, I think every single writer in that room would love to write for her yep. again. She's just so great. Um, so yeah, she was wonderful.
0: She came off very. She came off serious on the podcast, but um, interesting. That was that would be mm-hmm. my takeaway from listening to like a three-hour show that she did. Just smart, interesting. Not into the glitz and the glamour, mm-hmm. just as into the art and the craft and her work. Um, a question about the writers' room, um, just for people who don't who don't understand. So a writers' room, like Good Wife, huge show. How many writers would be in that room at a time on a season?
1: That was a small room. We had a small, um, really, uh, really tight room, and that was seven people.
0: Seven people. Uh,
1: Yeah, and truth be told, we had nine. I worked on a show where there were 14 because there were three um, writing teams in that room, so it was a really big room. So it depends. It depends on the showrunner's comfort and what they desire from the show and the the number of episodes. I think you'd have a bigger room when there's 22.
0: 22. Do you mm-hmm. find that people tend to write for a character or is it just totally the whole thing is, again, this is probably very one-on-one of writing, but for those of us who don't know, it's just helpful to sort of understand the craft a bit more. So everyone's oh, no, you write it. Yeah, you write the entire episode. Perfect. Yeah. Um, okay, let's move on to Truth Be Told. Now, did you bring this project to Apple or did they call on you to show run? How did that project come together? No, that
1: um, project happened because of Churnin Entertainment. I'd gone to a general meeting with Kristen Campo, who was um, head of their TV division at the time, and she and I had met years before when I did a spec And she was at another company. And we tried to get that back off the ground and, you know, but really liked each other. So when she moved over to Chernin, she called me in just for a general. And these are the meetings that execs have with writers. What are you up to? This is what we have. Just so you start to know people around town. And so I hate to relate it back
0: to something as simple as Entourage Guys, but it's when Vinny Chase comes off, like sort of he goes off to the to the ocean for a bit, and then he comes back with Ari, and they do like 12 generals that day, which is meeting with the head of the studio, talking ideas. Talking thought just to help us non Hollywood people put a visual on it. <laughs> <laughs> so you were Vinnie so, Chase running around town doing generals, yeah. <laughs> and I was
1: doing. I did that general meeting, and as I was leaving, and it was uh, right before Christmas, and um, she said, "Oh, I got this novel in that's not published yet. Maybe you'd like to read it over the holiday. We could talk in January and see." And it. it was, um, "Are you sleeping?" And by Kathleen Barber, and um, I read it over the holiday, and I thought, oh, this is there's something here. So Mm -hmm. I called Kristen in January and said, I have a take. I went in, um, gave her my take on on what I would do with the book, the adaptation, and then Hello Sunshine were they were the other the producers on the project. Reese Witherspoon yet? Yeah, and met with Lauren Levy Newstetter who runs Reese's um, company, and. We took that out. Oh, then I met with Octavia. Just, you know, we had our meeting just to see if we got along. Fell in love with each other. And then I was able to write I'm and in love build. with Octavia.
0: And i am only seen her on screen. She's the best. Did and she I give I you the biggest hug? I just feel like she's like the most happy. Like, I just love, her. I love watching her. On she's screen. a very, very
1: warm, generous, kind woman and everything that you think she's, she's fantastic. And, um, we hit it off and I, we went from there. So Octavia went out on the pitches with us. Oh, So awesome. it was, yeah. Oh, so wow, it okay. was, um, churn and hello, sunshine and, um, myself and then Octavia and then, our agents. Okay. She and I well, were both you were so much Williams- as
0: pitching. You were you were more probably more so just taking deals. Give me the numbers, guys. <laughs> I, I don't imagine <laughs> no, anyone we, was saying no to that group.
1: I wish we went out um, for. We were out for a little over a week, and we went all around town, and we had three offers, and went with Apple.
0: That is Hollywood talk for. You've made it. You're there. (laughs) That's pretty awesome. (laughs) One weekend, that's awesome. Okay, obsessed with uh, Octavia Spencer. She's incredible on the show. I love how smart she is. I love her really I just I just thought you guys did such a great job with her. Can we please talk though, also about the Kate Hudson of it all? What was it like working with her? Was she just a complete treat as well? Like total. I just feel like Kate has been doing this since she's what 14. I just Mm -hmm. expect her to be a total ace like total totally knows what to do knows how to act on set can you give us any sort of insight of what it's like being around Kate
1: oh Kate was an absolute delight and so wonderful as Micah Keith um and uh Octavia nicknamed her Sunflower oh I love that completely fit completely fit the two of them were wonderful because we were shooting during the pandemic and we Mm -hmm. were shooting before people really knew what was going on. So we were in the middle of that. And we were one of the first shows to go up and try to test the protocols. It was stressful and yeah. a lot of pressure. And we didn't have the usual resources on set with, you know, all the people because we had to keep the keep it tight from the testing yeah. and everything else. And they were fantastic leaders. They kept everyone calm, um, were really, you know, prepared and on time and professional every day they were fantastic and you see it on screen i think they have really great chemistry
0: that was my um that was my one of my notes watching it their friendship's super believable like super mm-hmm. authentic real that's how friendship is maybe just uh, the headline quick for anyone who hasn't watched truth be told can you just give the the quick snippet on what the show is so people can go watch it if they haven't
1: yeah octavia spencer plays a podcaster name um uh, Poppy Parnell yeah. and she yeah and she's a journalist who has you know worked for over 20 years she formerly was at the New York Times she, New York Times she returns to the San Francisco Bay Area where she grew up and is you know not working for a newspaper anymore but she decides that she still wants to do some form of reporting so she starts this podcast called Reconsidered mm-hmm. and season 1 it's about a story she wrote 20 years prior, that helps send a man to jail, and that man is pe- played by Aaron Paul.
0: And wild twists, like just like twists happening left, right, and center. Also, obsessed with Elizabeth Perkins. I grew up on Miracle on 34th Street, which I know isn't one of her best, biggest shows, but she always has a special place in my heart on that show. I thought she did a great job. I just, I loved her character. I loved um, her struggle. She's a very believable ca- uh, actress with struggle, isn't she? Yes. Like on Weeds, she's great. when she plays the struggle, mm-hmm. like you can always sort of, you, You can always sort of feel that in her character. Um, Also, on this show, you guys probably remember, Kate Hudson is super well-followed. I'm sure people that listen to my show follow her. Kate Hudson, when she was going around in the trailer during the heat of the pandemic, as Nishal is saying, she was like, guys, like no big deal. I'm working on set with the Octavia Spencer today. (laughs) And that was one of the first shows to go back and really be like, can we do Mm -hmm. this? But yeah, Kate really was like, this is Octavia's show. I am lucky to be here. And I think that just adds to her overall coolness, you know?
1: Oh, she's so wonderful. And it's funny because I had an idea in my head when I was crafting the Micah Keith character that she was a little bit more um, of a wounded bird and way more vulnerable. Yeah, And, you know, because of COVID, we were... I was watching set from home. So I was watching the live feed from home of all the takes. And then I would text if I had any notes or anything that I wanted them to get. And one of the first scenes that we shot was the end of episode one where Octavia is podcasting and Kate comes up behind her and listens. And then she comes in and she puts her hand on her shoulder. And there was something in Kate's face that was like, oh, Micah is a little edgier and a little bit more mysterious than I originally thought. So from that moment, I started to rewrite that character to be a little more spiky, she which does you see. Say that. Yeah. Yes, mm-hmm. I totally mm-hmm.
0: see that. And guys, uh, Kate Hudson, Micah, plays this character who I'm not going to say it's Gwyneth Paltrow, but it's like a Glennon Doyle. It's a. Uh, is that how you describe it? Is, is that mm-hmm. okay to describe it that way?
1: Yeah, yeah, she's a lifestyle guru.
0: Lifestyle guru and. You cast, you know, the superstars in Hollywood. Any actors that are really standing out to you right now? I was actually just watching uh, Sydney Sweetie on White Lotus. I was like, man, she'd do do really well in a Nichelle show. Anybody else that's, (laughs) anyone that stands out to you right now that you're interested in working with?
1: Oh, there's a, you know, I would love, I was talking to my agents about this. I really like crafting something specifically for actresses. Oh, cool. Um, And so, you know, I have like this long wish list of people that I love to work with, write something for one day. And um, so with Octavia, previous to that, you know, you're on a show and you're doing um, what's you know, it's already been cast, everything else. And there was something about the process of really not writing Poppy until Octavia was there and I could just start to blend it all together. And then, you know, Kate coming on, Aaron Paul, season one, not an actress, but a great actor that I was able to like really imagine Warren Cave. So there's something about um, just crafting something specifically for someone. The new project that I'm doing is a movie for Netflix starring Carrie Washington, and it's been really lovely to think about her as I'm putting this together, instead of it being a spec script and I'm just imagining who it might be.
0: Are you going short or long hair with Carrie?
1: You know what? That's a big part of the story, so I'm not going to say anything. Oh,
0: get out. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. So you're saying it's nice that you were actually given someone to think about versus, in like, all of our imagination. Like, I just yeah. said, oh, Sydney would be amazing on a Nichelle mm-hmm. show. Got it, got it. Okay, so you've worked with the biggest networks, Apple, FX, you'd worked with too, right? ABC, it's very hard mm-hmm. to get in the, to get these jobs at such prestigious studios. Can you give anyone listening some insight on you know how to break in? If you're looking for a career or looking to work at a studio, any advice you can give to somebody? And not just in writing, just to get into these prestigious places. Do you know what they're looking for? Any sort of tidbits you could offer listeners?
1: You know, one of the biggest things that I find to be helpful are the programs that all the studios and networks have. The one that I did at CBS, there's one at ABC, there's one at Fox, you know, they all have them. So, you know, just a little bit of research, you could start by going to the Writers Guild website and they should have links to all of these different things. Apply th- apply for those. If you're in LA, you know, just applying for the low level jobs. I started as an assistant. Mm-hmm. And then once you're in those jobs, it's about building the relationships, Not networking, because that is a means to an end, and it's not organic. I mean, building relationships with people. Because once your agents and your managers help you get your first jobs, and then your relationships get the other jobs. Because remember, you're in a writer's room. You're in a writer's room with, you know... Uh, nine, ten other people. When they go on another show, which whether it's theirs or not, they could say, Oh, yeah, I loved working with so and so. Let me bring them on to the show. Or a friend of theirs is staffing a show and says, Hey, do you know someone at this level? So it's the relationships. You start recommending people, you start bringing people along with you. Yeah. And I'd worked on Women's Murder Club and Harper's Island. And then I went to Mercy, and that was because the EPs that I'd worked with on Women's Murder Club recommended me to Liz Heldens, who created Mercy. And so it becomes about relationships and maintaining and you know, being a decent person and being someone that people want to be around all day.
0: That's really the same for any job, right? It's yep, just like gotta exactly. be a good person. But you do hit on the networking thing coming from a finance background, the most overused word I've ever heard, build mm-hmm. fostering relationships, not just like meeting someone for a 5-minute coffee. There's definitely yep. more. Definitely more to that. All right, what shows, what are your favorite shows this year? What are you watching outside of your regulars? Anything else that came out that popped out?
1: You know, I loved season two of Love Life. Have you seen that yet?
0: Watched two episodes. Have not gotten into it yet, but I really liked the one of the girl who couldn't sleep at night. Do you remember that one?
1: Or she? Oh sleep no, a- no. This is this is completely different. This is Love Life. Yeah, I think you're talking about Modern Love. Yes. Oh, Love Life. Yeah.
0: Oh, the one with Anna Kendrick or who is she was see- she? Season was season one? one. Yeah. Okay.
1: Season two is just fantastic. Okay. It's so good. Um, I'm gonna and, watch that. That's on HBO yeah. Max.
0: Mm -hmm. I liked it. I loved season one. I thought it was really good. It's really good. And then season
1: two even elevates it more. It's great. Yeah. Succession like everyone else. Um,
0: Okay. What are your thoughts though? Our listeners are dying out on succession a little bit. It was a little slow. I did argue it's case though. That was like a true COVID filming moment, right? Like I think COVID was definitely a part of it being maybe slower
1: yeah but you know they stuck the landing <laughs>
0: they stuck the landing they did okay okay succession yeah i gotta watch myself because the these are all the friends so no critiques let's just talk about what we like <laughs> yeah i
1: i thought that was great um You'll be surprised. Love Yellowstone, one of oh, my favorite like shows. My, like
0: everybody from Canada is obsessed with Yellowstone. That's just yeah. the show to watch. Okay, okay love
1: it because I've missed like a really good nighttime soap, and yeah. that's it. Um, Do you watch Dope sick the, No, I haven't started that yet. Really
0: liked it. Really enjoyed okay, it. Okay, I'll
1: take a look at that. Yeah. I love Call of the Midwife. Um,
0: I haven't got into a, that yet.
1: Oh, yeah, I love that show. That's a show that doesn't get a lot of attention, but it's really, really um, emotional. It doesn't wave f- and sweet, but it also is very subversive and it handles really serious women's health issues. Oh, good. But, you know, in a yeah. light way, it's kind of subversive in that way. Um, it's
0: not too aggressive where you're kind of like, I want to watch this, but it's just too nope. much. Okay. Nope. It's that. all
1: story. It's all heart. It's really worth watching. Yes, um, I love Grant Chester, which is another. I like a lot of the British shows. Um, Emily in
0: Paris season two coming out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, moving on. Moving on. <laughs> okay, you are Hollywood, but you are not the. You don't chase that stuff down, which is obviously why you're so successful. Can you just give me one big Holly? Can you just give me one big Hollywood moment to share with the listeners? Something that stands out to you?
1: Yes. And it doesn't involve me. It was um, uh, Marvel did a screening of the finale of Falcon and Winter Soldier, Malcolm's show.
0: Malcolm is the other half of this Hollywood power couple?
1: Yes. And they did it at um, the Rose Bowl as a drive-in, like drive-in theater. And it was really wonderful. We're all in our cars. It took me back to our childhood. It's playing up on the big screen. And Malcolm had to go do press. So I was sitting in the car in in the passenger seat in the front row, and he walked in front of the screen. And at that moment an interview that he was doing popped up on screen. So he was walking beneath his own image and he didn't even see it because he was talking to someone. But I got a picture of it and the sun was setting above it. It's so beautiful. I got a frame for his mom.
0: Oh, that is so sweet. That is so sweet.
1: It was really nice.
0: Well, Nichelle, thank you so much for coming on Cake for Breakfast. Thank you so much for your time today. And I can't wait to get your episode out. Thank
1: you. It was really nice and I appreciate you inviting me.
0: I hope you guys enjoyed the show today. Now, if you could take a quick minute and just rate, review, and subscribe, the option is now available on both Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And the Spotify ones are going in fast right now. So if you guys could give me a quick review. You don't even have to write reviews on that one, actually. You just click the amount of stars, and it really helps out with the algorithm for the show. So thank you so much for listening, and have a great day.